Our Christmas sermon series this year is Discover Christmas. Do you know someone who needs to discover Christmas? Or maybe someone who needs to uh, meet Christ, the Christ of Christmas, for the very first time? Or do you need to slow down and fine-tune your spiritual life, give some attention to your spiritual life, and, and, and focus on your spiritual life? Two weeks ago, we began with Discover Hope. Last week, we enjoyed our musical, What Christmas Means to Me. The music was moving. The testimonies were moving as people shared some very personal things with us. Did you hear our folks share the the themes of Christmas, the hope and peace and joy and love that Jesus brings, that Christmas brings? I've been missing joy. But this morning I discovered her at the piano. And I was so thankful to see her playing for us this morning, weren't you? I don't know what it is about these grandparents who think they have to relocate and move to different places to be near grandkids. But we, we, we miss you guys, we love you guys, and we are glad that you are back helping us out this morning. If there's one word besides the word Advent, which comes from a Latin word which means coming, which of course accents the, the coming of Jesus here at Christmas time, that one word that characterizes Christmas, I would say it's the word joy. We sing about joy. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Shepherds, why this jubilee? Why your joyous strains prolong? Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. So today as we turn to Luke chapter 2, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1 a little bit also. We focus on discover joy. And if you happen to be listening online or or here present with us in the sanctuary this morning and you have not yet met Jesus, you have not yet met and discovered true joy. We'll be talking about that in just a moment. Let's begin right in the middle of the Christmas story here in verse 8 of chapter 2 of Luke. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. What do we see here as we think about discover joy? Well, first of all, Jesus is the reason for joy. Jesus is the reason for joy. Throughout the Christmas story, we find joy. Look at Luke chapter 1, for instance, uh, for just a second. Zechariah, the priest, received a visit from the angel who announced that God had heard his and his wife's prayer and they would have a son. And the angel instructed them, as God sent this messenger to them, to name this son John and the son would prepare the way for Jesus. Let's pick it up in verse 11 of chapter 1 of Luke. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, speaking of Zacharias, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Don't miss verse 14. And you will have joy. And gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. 
Well, Gabriel appeared to Mary and told her that even though she was a virgin, she would bear a child and he would be the Messiah. So Mary, of course, is all bewildered and and, and glad and I'm mean, just a mixture of emotions as she tries to process this. And she goes to tell her cousin Elizabeth what had happened. And what happens when she and Elizabeth get together? Well, let's pick it up in verse 41 of Luke chapter 1. Well, listen, let me go back to 39. Now, Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened, verse 41, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then jump down to 44. And indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, Elizabeth tells Mary, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And then her visit with Elizabeth, after this interchange, as Elizabeth shared about the baby leaping, Mary, Mary spontaneously burst out into praise, into what we call Mary's song, the Magnificent. If you look at verse 46 of chapter 1, second part, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. There is joy all over the Christmas story. When Elizabeth delivered, the neighbors and relatives rejoiced with her, as you see in verses 57 and 58. Now Elizabeth's full time came to her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So this joy is, is spreading as the news of, of these babies coming also spreads. And then, of course, you're familiar with what happened on that night when the angel appeared to the shepherds. They had, the angel announced good news of great joy. Chapter 2, verse 10. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. And then, of course, you know the rest of the story. The uh, other angels joined them. It was a heavenly chorus filling the night sky. And they, they, they sang and rejoiced what is called the angels' song as the birth of Jesus was announced. All this joy was about the coming of Jesus. All of this joy. Now, remember, the Jews had been looking for the Messiah for centuries. We sing, come thou long expected Jesus. From an Old Testament standpoint, they were expecting him to come. On this side of the cradle, on this side of the cross, he's not the expected Jesus. He's the resurrected Jesus. Yet we expect his second coming, don't we? They were filled with expectancy. They knew the prophecies. They knew one day that the Savior would be born in Bethlehem, according to Micah 5, chapter 2. Then on that particular night, a night that started just as any other ordinary night, they clocked in at the, at, at the, uh, the, the shepherd's station and, and went out to the fields, and it was their turn to watch these sheep. The shepherds of all people, not the elite of society, not royalty, but common folks doing dirty work, were keeping watch over the sheep that had been entrusted to them, the sheep in their charge. But something dramatic happened as an angel appeared and the glory of God shone around them. Naturally, they were startled. Naturally, they were, they were afraid. And this angel became the first evangelist. 
As he says in verse 10, I bring you good tidings. The word actually is translated, I bring you good news. It comes from a word that gives us our English word evangelize. So thus he literally was the first evangelist. The angel was sharing joyfully good news. Now look at what he says. Who is this good news for? For whom, for whom was this good news shared? For all people. For people who have never heard the gospel. For 7,327 unreached people groups. For 4.6 billion people who are considered unchurched and possibly unreached. For your neighbors who are lost. For your family members who are lost. For those who I hope are on your prayer list who are lost. For those who are your one that I've been mentioning all year that you should be praying for and cultivating a relationship with. Who's your one? The angel was sharing good news for all people. What was this news first heard by the shepherds? What what is this news that people still need to hear today? For there is born unto you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. There is born to you this day. Baby Jesus came into the world the same way you and I came into the world. Now he was conceived supernaturally. He was carried by a virgin. But then he was born just as you and I are born. In the city of David refers to Bethlehem, his birthplace. Now note who came. A Savior came. The world needs a Savior. Not an advisor. Not a consultant. Not a reformer. Not a military leader, though they thought the Messiah would be a military leader. Not not another politician, please. We need a Savior who can deliver us, not from Roman oppression, as was their context, but from the bondage of sin. We need one who can come and and, and fill the gap for us and reconcile us with our Heavenly Father. The name Jesus means Jehovah saves. A Savior. Jesus. Jehovah saves. That's exactly what Jesus came to do. He had a very specific assignment. From his heavenly Father. Jehovah saves. Who is the Savior? He is Christ, the Anointed One, the Messiah. The long awaited Messiah had, had now arrived. He, he was here in the form of a baby found in Bethlehem. He is Christ, the Lord. The Lord points to his deity. Lord is is basically synonymous with with God. This this is God wrapped in flesh and blood, fully God and fully man. But Lord also points not only to His deity, but also to His authority. He is the ruler. He is the authority. He is the master. He, He is sovereign and possesses absolute authority, absolute ownership, and uncontested power. The issue is, the question is, is He Lord of your life and my life and of this church? 
Because if He is Lord of our life, then it's all about Him, it's not about us. It's all about following His Word and His commands. It's not about our personal preferences. We don't have, when, when He's Lord of our lives, we don't have the, the uh, prerogative to pick and choose which commands we're going to obey and which ones we're going to ignore. He is Lord. So what is this good news saying to us? God fulfilled His promise in His perfect timing. You know what? God always comes through for us. God is so faithful. Christmas is Jesus' birthday. We've made it about everything else but Jesus. So don't let Jesus take the back seat of your Christmas celebration in your life, in your Christmas. What What intentional steps do you need to take? What priorities may in this moment of worship do you need to reorder to make sure that that Jesus is first place in your Christmas and first place in your life? What does that mean to you this morning? What must you give up? How must you surrender? What must you realign in your life? Second, Jesus is the source of joy. Now we're jumping to Paul's letter, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. You know this verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Say that with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now remember the context. Paul is writing from a Roman prison. He is arrested He's in prison simply because he's been preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's on the front lines of trying to to advance the gospel. He's trying to plant churches. He's trying to share with folks. And Paul wrote a thank you note to the Philippian church for their support in a time of need, their help in a time of need. He also addressed various issues in the church, one of which was unity. He exhorts the church to find unity in Jesus. And then he commands the church to rejoice. Go back and read those first three verses of chapter 4. What is the connection? I'm asking you. What is the connection between rejoicing and unity? You can think about that. The verb is an imperative. As he commands them to rejoice, that's a command, meaning make the active, willful choice To rejoice regardless of whether we find ourselves in joyful circumstances or adverse circumstances. Did you hear that? To rejoice is a command and we have to choose to obey that command. So the choice to rejoice determines the outlook of our life regardless of our circumstances. Let's stop here and define joy before we go any further. Here's a theological definition for joy. A deep state of well-being that transcends circumstances. A deep state of well-being that transcends circumstances. Let's remind ourselves what joy is not. Joy is not a feeling based on feelings. Joy is not based on feelings. Joy is not a feeling to begin with. Joy joy is not based on circumstances. Happiness depends on happenings, doesn't it? Joy 
transcends happiness and happenings. Joy transcends happenings. I'm not real happy right now about this health news I received recently. But I still have joy. Because joy is not based on circumstances. Now note Paul didn't command rejoice. It's impossible because we're human for us just to to rejoice. It's like trying to live the entire Christian life in our own strength. It's impossible. He said rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the sphere of the Lord. Joy comes from Jesus. Joy comes from living in His strength and in His power. Joy comes from depending upon Him every day of our lives, no matter what life throws at us. That's the only way that we can rejoice always, by rejoicing in the Lord. John said, and uh, Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 11, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. His joy is the only joy that lasts. His joy is the only joy that, that remains. His joy is, is reliable. It's unwavering. It's, it's unchanging. It's, it's, it's certain. Nothing can touch it. If you get your joy from any other place, any other person, then something can take it away. Paul didn't get his joy from his possible release one day. Don't you know he sat there and prayed for his release? Don't you know he he thought about what he was going to do when he was released? If he got his joy from his freedom, he wouldn't have any joy because at that moment he sat there imprisoned. He got his joy from Jesus, and so must we. Paul repeats the command for emphasis. It's like, okay, if you didn't get it the first time, here it comes again. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, that's emphasis. That's purposeful grammatical emphasis. Again, Philippians. Again, McDonough Road Baptist Church. I say rejoice. Again, joy does not come from happenings. That's where people are confused about joy in this world today. People are trying to find joy in the wrong places. They're trying to find lasting fulfillment in the wrong places. They're trying to, to, that that, that place that God made in our heart that only He can fill, they're trying to fill it with every other thing or every other pursuit or every other worldly option and they will still wonder why they're restless and, 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 and not at peace. And why they don't have any joy in their lives. Joy will never be found in circumstances because circumstances are always changing and circumstances aren't always good for us. We know that in this world we'll face many tribulations. Think about Mary's circumstances. Think about the whole Christmas story and what happened to Mary. Her reputation was at stake. Her reputation was at risk because she became pregnant outside of marriage. She was not married yet, and knowing human nature, she had to be the topic of town gossip once the word got out. Her relationship with Joseph, her future husband, was was at risk. They were officially, basically, based on the customs of that time, they were man and wife. They were betrothed, 
But they had not yet come together as man and wife, so it had not been consummated. They were not officially married, but they were officially husband and wife. And all of this was was at risk. It, It took an angel's visit to confront Joseph and to convince him that Mary's pregnancy was God's doing and God's plan, and that he would have the privilege of raising God's son under his roof. Men, could you imagine such a responsibility? It's such a privilege. Think about it. This, listen, this wasn't his son, but Joseph realized it's his Savior. Joseph welcomed the Christ child into his home, into his life before Jesus had even been born. Mary's trip to Bethlehem at this stage of pregnancy was, was extremely difficult. Because of this census ordered by the emperor, They had no choice. They they were directed. They had to go. They had to load up and travel the 80 plus miles to Bethlehem. God used this decree to get Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem so prophecy could be fulfilled. It was the fullness of time. But it was not an easy trip. Mary's arrival in Bethlehem had to be disappointing. There was no room in the inn. They found shelter in a stable or more likely in a limestone cave there in the countryside. If you visit Bethlehem today, as some of our people recently did, as some of us are going to in uh, November of 2023 on this trip to Israel, you will visit the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem. You'll walk down some steps inside of this very ornate church, and you will peer into a hole in the, in the floor that is covering the, the grotto, the, the cave, that is supposedly where Jesus was born. It was that cave or a cave very similar to that cave. Mary's resources were limited. She wrapped the babe in the cloth that she had at the moment. She laid the, ba- the baby in a feed trough that was there at the moment. She used what she had. And it wasn't fancy. She didn't have time to go to Babies R Us and deck out the nursery and paint and all of that. She used what she had. Yet, Mary rejoiced. Look at 219. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary experienced throughout this whole journey so many, so many God moments, so many miracles, so many things that were only explained by the Lord's intervention, so many things that night that she stored them up in her heart as precious treasures. And she constantly reflected on God's goodness and God's greatness and God's amazing work and, 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 God's amazing love and God's amazing grace as she thought through all the details of these supernatural events, especially the arrival of Jesus. Let me ask you something this morning. Be honest about it. Do you let circumstances dictate your joy? Do you tie your spiritual well-being, this deep state of well-being, do you tie that to circumstances because it's not going to work that way, folks. We are to rejoice in the Lord. Our joy comes 
from Jesus. Are you rejoicing in the Lord this morning? Third, Jesus brings joy to you this Christmas. Jesus brings joy to you this Christmas. This message of the angel that night was, For unto you is born this day. For to you is born this day. Reflect on that prepositional phrase, to you. And don't miss the significance of this this phrase. The you in this sentence is plural, pointing to whom the good news is given for all people. Yet the good news came first to a bunch of shepherds, so therefore the word speaks to more than one person. But the word is also personal because he came to you. For God so loved the world, for God so loved you, that he gave his one and only son, his only begotten son. God, listen, God has his eye on you this Christmas season. God knows what's on your heart. God knows what your checkbook looks like. God knows what's in your, in your pantry or what's not in your pantry. God knows where your needs are. He knows where your heart is. He knows where your, where your, what your situation is. This is a personal word. God knows what you need. He knows the burden you carry. Some are grieving this Christmas season. Some are dealing with other struggles. God understands. God knows for some folks that, that Christmas is going to be hard this year. But He's right in the middle of it with us. Carrying us through. Helping us with our burdens. Walking with us. God will help you. Don't miss this. You matter to God. Christmas is about Jesus' coming, but Christmas is about Jesus coming to you. To stand with you. To wrap His loving arms around you. To give you that hug when you need it. To give you that word of wisdom when you need it. To comfort you when you need it. To provide for you when you need it. Some of us may need to discover joy for the very first time. We need to meet Jesus, the giver of joy, the Christ of Christmas. Others need to rediscover joy and reconnect with our source of joy. We've allowed the stress of life to replace the joy of Jesus. Does that sound like you? So how do we discover joy this Christmas? Where, where is our focus? Where do we need to focus? Well, first, joy comes when we make a, a fresh visit to the manger. Take Luke chapter 2 in the quietness of, of this afternoon. Turn the TV off. Turn everything else off. Put yourself in Mary's shoes, in Joseph's shoes. And in your mind, in your heart, go to the manger for the very first time. And let God give you a fresh word. Have we heard one too many Christmas sermons? Have we attended one too many Christmas programs? Have we heard too many Christmas carols to hear this good news ringing through in a fresh way? Are we so familiar with the Christmas story that that it is no longer exciting? Put yourself in the shepherd's place. Imagine being out on that, that hillside. And suddenly your, your, your boredom, your dullness, the dreariness of that night is, is totally shattered by the angel appearing and you're scared to death. Put yourself there and think through that. How does it feel to hear the story for the first time? 
Hear the good news again. Jesus is born in Bethlehem. A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This, this is the news that brought joy to the world. This is the song that the angels sang on that glorious night. Read the story as if you have never read it before. Read it slowly and, and take it all in and ponder each word. Reflect each word. Hear the angel's announcement in verses 10 through 12. Hear the angel's song in verses 13 and 14. Glory to God in the highest. Hear the baby's cry. Imagine the shepherds wasting no time and making their way with haste as they hurried to Bethlehem. Verse 15. Let us go now. Go with the shepherds and find Jesus there and see if you discover the joy of Jesus. Joy comes when we make a fresh visit to the manger. But not only that, second, joy comes when we worship the child in the manger. There are a lot of interesting facets to the Christmas story. I don't know if you've noticed this or not through the years, but I love to preach on Christmas. Every one of these could be a sermon series. There are the emotions of Christmas, the fear, the love, the joy, the, the zeal. There's the music of Christmas. There's Mary's song, Zechariah's song, the, the angel's song, Christ's song, Simeon's song. There's the personalities of Christmas, the, the Advent themes of Christmas, hope and peace and joy and, and, and love. The downside of Christmas, when Christmas is a struggle, Herod, the despair that is very real that he brought on at Christmas and his paranoia. The theology of Christmas, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The, the impact of Christmas, the, the words of Christmas, the names of Christmas, the prophecies leading up to Christmas, great stuff for preaching or studying or meditating. How did people in the Christmas story respond to the good news of Christmas? With rejoicing. With adoration. They were overwhelmed at this good news, with the exception of Herod. They, they were totally touched. They were impacted. They, they praised the Father that sent Him. They, they sang praises. Adoration and celebration prompted joy in their Christmas season. We need to adore Him. We need to celebrate Him. We need to be with God's people when we gather on His day, during the Christmas season especially, and, and worship. We need to enjoy the music of Christmas that reminds us of these great themes of Christmas. Let me ask you something. Is there worship in your Christmas? Is there personal worship? Is there consistent corporate worship? Are you worshiping or are we neglecting worship in our lives and in our Christmas? Are we making worship a priority? Oh, come let us adore Him. Oh, come let us adore Him. When we adore Jesus, we experience His joy. Third, joy comes when we share Jesus. Joy comes when we share Jesus. Don't you know, put yourself in the angel's place. Don't you know that that angel was excited to break into the darkness of night and into the, the dullness of, of the shepherd's routine? He, he could not wait for this moment to come. God gave him his message. God gave him his assignment. He, God finally said, go, the time is right. 
He, he shows up on the hillside and he gets to be the one to, to share this breaking news. Don't you know that was exciting? And what did the shepherds do? See verse 15. After the angelic chorus joined this single angel, singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was, Luke records, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. So they dropped everything to go to Jesus. Look at verse 16. And they came with haste. And found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And then what happened? Look at verse 17. When they had seen him. What a moment that must have been. They made widely known. They made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. They couldn't keep it to themselves. They were so excited. The angel... The angelic course, the impact and the gravity of the news the angels shared, leaving their sheep on the hillside and trusting them to, to, to God or to somebody as they left and, and, and made haste to go to Bethlehem. They found Mary and Joseph in the babe. They found the manger. They, they witnessed uh, what, what God had told them to go and see. And when they left, they had to tell everybody about Jesus. What they had seen, what they had experienced. There is nothing more joyful than letting God use you to bring somebody to salvation. That is a rush. That is an adrenaline rush. That is, that is a, a thrill that, that is unexplainable. Whatever part you play, whether you're praying for the lost, whether you're planting and cultivating seeds, whether you turn a normal conversation into a gospel conversation and plant a seed about Jesus, loving them and dying for them and wanting to save them, whether you talk about the reason you celebrate Christmas with your neighbor who asks you about your decorations or about your cookie recipe or whatever, whatever you talk about, be sensitive to turn normal conversations into conversations about Jesus. Especially this time of year when people seem to be more open about what Christmas is all about. Share the gospel with the lost. And then that person eventually comes to Christ, maybe not right that minute, but eventually. What what a moment to, to play a part as God works in somebody's life. What specific way can you celebrate Christmas by promoting the gospel Advancing the gospel, sharing the gospel with somebody, even this afternoon, even as you go into a restaurant over lunch, or even as you walk into a store and deal with somebody. Encounter somebody. There's nothing more joyful than letting God use you to bring someone to Jesus. I invite you to discover the joy of Jesus and the joy of Christmas this year. Don't let the hustle and bustle, don't let those unmarked things on your Christmas to-do list, don't let the stress of the holiday, don't let anything get in the way of your worship, your adoration, your praise, your rejoicing in the Lord always. I wonder if 
one here this morning needs to meet Jesus. Jesus came for you. He died for you. He loves you. He wants you to have a personal relationship with Him. And that is possible. You can meet Jesus this morning by realizing your need. You're not going to go to heaven in your own power, your own strength, by working your way to heaven, by gaining favor with anybody. You cannot earn your way to heaven. You have to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. You have to recognize your need, that you're a sinner by nature and by choice, and that sin separates us from God. That all of us have sinned. All of us. We have to believe that Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sin. That He was buried. That He arose from the grave. That He lives today. And that He's the only way to heaven. And He wants you to receive Him. He's not going to force Himself upon you. You have to receive Him. By inviting Him to come into your life. Turning from your sin. Turning to Jesus. And receiving His gift of eternal life. Will you make that decision this morning? We can help you do that. If you will just grab me at the end of the service. Grab somebody else. Say, I really want to be saved today. I want to accept Jesus Christ as Savior. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that can happen for you today. If you're online, reach out to this email right here. I'll be glad to get back with you and help you start a real Christmas as you discover joy. Because you've received Jesus Christ today. Father, we pray for those who need joy. We pray for those who need Jesus. We pray for those, Lord, who, who uh, may not yet have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. We pray for those, Lord, who have and need to make decisions to, to uh, follow through in baptism, to start their, their lifelong pursuit of Christ's likeness as they grow in discipleship and in following Jesus. We pray for those, Lord, who need to move membership in the life of this church because they've prayed about it and God's leading. Lord, we pray for decisions to happen as you impact people's lives. Thank you, Lord, for the joy of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.